For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on it. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the airs, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who are you, by being worried, can add a single cubit to his lifespan? And that is Matthew chapter 6, verses 26, 27, 28. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Bridge Radio. And we are coming at you from the great state of Texas. I am your host, A.W. Varilla, and next to me is not the president of uh, Bridge Ministry, but today we have our good friend, T.D. Daniels, going going co-hosting solo today. Yes, sir. I have big shoes to fill, but the Lord is with us either way. (laughs) Steve is out today in this episode, Uh, but before we begin, ladies and gentlemen, let's just get a little bit of uh, update here, update here in the ministry on what's happening. Um, T.D., go ahead. So ongoing, of course, we have our book and Bible studies um, that go on on a weekly basis. Right now we have about seven going on. Um, If you're interested in in joining one of our studies, whether it's a men's study, women's study or or co-ed, please reach out to us. That's a huge way on how we edify the saints um, here locally in our community. Um, We're really excited for, of course, our cohort um, seminary with BTS, uh, Birmingham Theological Seminary, coming up again in this fall. Um, If you're interested in those seminary classes, Um, Just please reach out to us because that's an ongoing partnership that um, we enjoy. Um, What about what about you, Abe? What you got? Yeah. uh, Again, like we said uh, last week and we'll continue to say it, guys, we are still uh, raising funds for the uh, Spanish book complete in him. It's been translated. So we just need to print them out again. uh, Our our Spanish conference here, November 11th, is going to be around the topic of completed him. So uh uh, again, please don't forget to sign up for the conference. And two, if you guys want to go ahead and contribute to uh, the printing of the book, this is the first uh, book that Bridge has translated. And we're hopefully that this book goes successful, that we will be able to do this uh, again for another book and hopefully take, take the funds that we get from this book. Uh, to put into another book and then that way we don't um, we don't need to be asking too much money for printing and stuff like that we'll just take the the, the proceeds of that but again for this first book we do need your help uh, if the Lord moves you to just give anything we'll take a penny uh, or if you like to just uh, help us out on a monthly basis here we will take that for sure 10 bucks five bucks three bucks whatever 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 the Lord puts in your heart. Uh, again, please don't forget to subscribe to Apple, Android, Google, and Stitcher Radio. And please visit our website at bridgemenlaredo.org and also visit us on Spotify. Like uh, TD was saying, there's a lot of things just going on in the ministry. And uh, and please, please continue to pray for Bridge as we support the local church in uh, Mexico, South America, and Central America. Uh, today in um this week's uh, episode, uh, we're going to be talking uh, about anxiety. Uh, today, we have Liz Edrington on today, uh, Anxiety, Finding the Better Story by PNR Publishing. So uh, we're excited to have her on today. Well, TD, are you ready to start this uh, interview? Let's do it. Liz Edrington spent six years in Charlottesville, Virginia, as a youth minister and received received a master's degree in counseling from Reform Theological Seminary in Orlando, Florida. Liz 
thank you for coming on Bridge Radio for the first time. Thanks so much for having me. So, Liz, I didn't read I didn't get to read all your updated bio, but uh, for <laughs> before we begin, can you just kind of fill in some of the other blanks in there? I know you told me earlier, but um, can you just let our audience know where you're at right now? Yeah. So I work I'm in my going into my ninth year on staff at a church here in Tennessee. And um, I also teach as an adjunct professor up at Covenant College in the psychology department. And I've worked with teenagers in one form or another for the last 20 years. So I've got a lot of teenage voices in my head Hmm. when I'm thinking about how to um, how to love the church well. Wow, that's super exciting. So uh, today we get an opportunity to uh, talk about your book. And and before we though we begin, um, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how God just drew you to saving faith? Yeah. So I grew up in a family that went to church on Sundays and we would fight all the way to church and fight all the way home driving from church. And um, I didn't hear a lot about Jesus that I remember, but I do remember praying with my parents before bed. Uh, So there's there's not a time where I didn't have belief, but I really got to know who Jesus was and what he did for me in middle school somewhere, probably in eighth, seventh grade when someone presented the gospel to me as, hey, this God actually cares about you specifically and your sin is a part of what put him on the cross. And he loves you so much that he's coming for you. Like he's not gonna stop trying to pursue you. Um, So I I began to get excited about what does it mean to have a relationship with God myself? And the more I've heard about Jesus, the more of him I've wanted over my life. So I don't know there's a time I didn't believe, but certainly I came to know him better in middle school. Wow, that is amazing. Thank you for that. So today we're going to be talking about your new book, Anxiety, Finding the Better Story, uh, 31-Day Devotional for Teenagers. What led you to write this book or devotional? And as God, I'm sure, put it in your heart, but where where is that all rooted in? Yeah. So, I mean, if, if any of you have teenagers or are working with teenagers, you know that anxiety just comes up over and over again. Our kids are more anxious than they have ever been. And it's almost across the board. Almost all of them have anxiety. Um, And I don't know that they always understand what it is even. Um, So for me, as I've worked with my high schoolers on Sunday mornings, even in this last year, and I've heard them talk about stress and worry ramped up to an even higher degree, the need for a resource that's oriented toward them, that's in their language and that hits them where they are has seemed more and more important. So I wanted to be able to not just teach uh, and do Bible study, but then to put something in their hands that says, go and spend time with God wrestling. And here's hopefully a resource that will help you learn more about your anxiety and more how it fits into the bigger story of God's pursuing love for you, uh, where there's hope, right? A God who meets us in our anxiety, whether or not it ever changes, but I do think he offers us rest in himself. So uh, for our listening audience that might not know what an anxiety is, can you just please define that for us? Yeah, what a great question. So most basically, anxiety is an emotion, right? It's actually not who we are. It's not a part of our identity. And it's not an enemy. It's not something that we have to fix, actually, even though we want to get rid of it very understandably. It's just an emotion. And an emotion is energy in motion. So it's energy in our bodies. Uh, It's not just a cognitive thought, like a thought in our head, but it is this movement of energy through our body that rises and falls and takes its course. So it's another, it's another emotion, just like sadness or happiness or anger. 
or disgust. And often it's an emotion that hides harder emotions under it. So it might seem like white noise or like buzzing flies that distract from what we might be feeling underneath that white noise. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, you, you do say in your intro that as a teenager, you were trying to survive anxiety. Um, what did that look like as a teenager? Again, if uh, we got parents listening out there or as we have our teenagers, hopefully, and young adults hear this podcast, what did that look like for you when you were a teenager? Great question. So I didn't even have the word anxiety for it. To me, mm. it felt like knots in my stomach and I was irritated and frustrated that my body wouldn't, wouldn't relax and do what I wanted it to do. So that meant before tests and papers, I had all this pent up energy and tension in my stomach and I'm an athlete. So before every soccer game, soccer is the best sport in the world. Let me just say, so before football. every game, yeah, football, that's right. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're um, in a border town, so we got to get it right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's, it's the international language. Yeah. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I'm just yeah. kidding. I would, um, I'd get nauseous before every game mm. and I thought, you know, it's just pregame jitters, but it's actually this way that in that nausea, anxiety was manifesting. So it looked like a lot of physical symptoms for me. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of people listening that uh, could relate, you know, as, um, when, so, um, let me ask this question. What, what kind of things can, can cause anxiety and you kind of mentioned a little bit in your in your intro there. Yeah, that's a really great question. There can be be so many different sources of anxiety. If you imagine anxiety is like a fruit on a tree, and um, or maybe the symptoms are the fruit. So that for me, that nausea, stomach nausea, tension, headaches. Um, you might kind of pick at your hair, pull at your pull at your hair, pick at your nails. Those symptoms might be the fruit on the tree. Mm. And then those roots that go into the ground. So the cause of the anxiety, there can be good things and bad things. So there can be trauma at the root of anxiety. There can be fear. There can be sadness. There can be hope. You might be excited about something coming up, going on a date, something we all, you know, pretty common, but there might be anxiety there. There could be a sense of grief or powerlessness. Um, and there might be some biological components. So some of us have a brain that works a little bit different than others. And you might have a, a neurochemistry, some parts of your own biological makeup that contribute to some anxiety as well. Wow. I think that's very important because um, I, I know that we've come across uh, some people that said, that, you know, if, um, if you're, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't have anxiety, mm. which mm. I absolutely is nutty. And, I really like how you address this and you say having anxiety and I quote, having anxiety does not mean that you don't have enough faith or a bad Christian. You are not wrong for having anxiety. That was just really, I really like how you put that there um, because I know that there's probably a lot of people listening where, you know, they might be uh, feel guilty or other people making them feel guilty that they have anxiety. And um, we, we live in a, in, in, in a town where the prosperity gospel is just absolutely in, in health and wealth and bridge has uh, encountered a lot of the people coming in here where we've seen a lot of shepherd abuse, you know, and you know, you, if you're not doing something right, you're a bad Christian. No, like you're sick. It's because you don't have enough faith. You got anxiety. You don't have enough faith. 
you know, you, you can't see this, but Eli is shaking his head. Yes. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. So what, what would you say to those people listening where, you know, they might be feeling this way? Yeah. Well, let's look straight, straight to scripture, mm. to our word of truth that actually reveals to us what's good and true and right and see people struggling with anxiety that have tons of faith and see the way Jesus treats them. Mm. Uh, I even think of, um, Peter coming out on the water to Jesus and looking around uh, around him and fearing and then beginning to sink. And Jesus doesn't shame him. He, mm. he invites him to look back to him, to l- look at him. Um, Jesus himself sweat blood in the garden of Gethsemane. We don't know that that's anxiety he's feeling, but if the man God himself, who is the truest picture of humanity, had emotions like if that's fear, if that is some anxiety, if that's just this guttural wrestling and whatever's going on. Jesus himself had struggle. We can certainly say that in the garden and he wasn't sinning. He was perfectly sinless. So we've got to ask if the man God who's sinless can have struggles like that, then what are they for? What, what, what's up in them? They certainly have nothing to do with amounts of faith. They're a human reality that God is at work in and through. And it's a part of why I like to say, if we could remember anything, I think anxiety is an invitation to connection. Mm. It's not just something bad. It's not our just just sin or faithlessness. But no matter what, the invitation to trust God with it, to move toward Jesus, to receive his rest, receive his word, to, to look to him, it's always there, this invitation to connection, even in this hard, disruptive thing. So that that would probably tie into, I, I know you, you make a deal about how we respond to anxiety. So there's that response of in invitation to connection could you elaborate more on that on how we should respond when these anxious moments come because like you said it's a human reality it is a human reality so think about my own anxiety i actually really don't like being in front of people i don't like speaking and i i do that quite a bit um it makes me anxious so my default is to kind of shame myself for that like you should know but you've done this before you should have faith you should why don't you just think of a verse a bible verse you know there's this shaming cycle that actually perpetuates anxiety that ramps it up it feeds it it's like food for it so for me to catch myself in those responsive thoughts that aren't helpful and to say all right this is invitation to connection to respond differently maybe with jesus words um my first day one is come to me all ye who are weary and heavy laden i will give you rest his voice is rest for us to come to him um, so it might even be just catching myself in that shame cycle and then remembering, you know what? Remembering is huge. So God has met me in my anxiety time and time again over my life, remembering that he shows up, he gets me through it. And then I'm loved in my anxiety. Uh, our, our, the Christian story is about a people who are kind of caught up trying to be our own gods, who are stuck in our sin patterns, who are met and loved and pursued in that weakness. God loves weak people, and I am one of them. So to remember, this is where I'm loved, actually. This is where he sees me, he knows me, and he invites me to life in himself. Not after I get rid of it, not after I have some amount of faith I think I'm supposed to have, but God loves me right here. And that that helps kind of to remember and then to take a deep breath because we're embodied beings and God gave us breath to help ground us. God gave me this these lungs and this oxygen to breathe in and ground myself back in his truth and his story and his love. Yeah. How easily do we forget that, how just uh, Jesus meets us where, where we're at. I was just, just thinking about Paul, how, you know, he went in his weakness. He knew that God will get the most glory in his weakness. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially me, like, you know, I, 
I don't like being weak. I want to yeah. be strong. Especially be, here in Laredo, machismo, like tough guy, it's huge here. Yeah, you got you got Latin culture mm-hmm. that uh, kind mm-hmm. of breeds that, which is which for me, I don't un, un, understand it com- completely. Even though I am Spanish, in the sense that you, you see that, but mm-hmm. like I was, I, I did ask uh, uh, Eli. Um, I don't know, was it last year? You got this like machismo culture embedded here. But then, like, when there are certain times where these same men will cry like babies um, <laughs> and, and, mm-hmm. and parties and, you know, they might be inebriated and I don't know. But but it's funny, like, they still need to talk to somebody. But that's another story. But, yeah, I appreciate that you say that because I easily forget. I want to be strong. I never want to be weak. And how is how how is God going to manifest himself if if I'm always pretending to have it all together and you know which is a foolishness on my part mm-hmm. <laughs> I heard uh, yeah I heard someone say I, f- I forgot who said it recently but like our brokenness anxiety whatever it might be is not so we can cling more to like the brokenness it's so we can cling on him and depend on him so that's the right response that we're, we're to have especially as as believers right Yeah. So I I love that you'd say that to me. It's where when I feel anxious and I notice myself trying to like pump myself up Mm -hmm. and be strong and be tough and like shame myself into that right response that to remember actually like that, that place where I'm stuck trying to do that is the place where I'm loved. That invitation, like you said, to depend on, to like turn it, turn it to, to look to Jesus and say, you know what, I'm stuck here and I need you to meet me here. That dependence on him the the rest that i think he offers in that moment instead of me trying to fix it but this is actually where you meet me in all ways is here not after i fix it or in my tough he meets me in my toughness too but yeah yeah. i do like what you say in your book uh and i quote jesus is the great physician has given us some tools that can help us to move through our anxiety i don't want to get there yet for anxiety tools uh i do want to talk about a little bit how you set up the book it is a 31 day devotional what were you thinking in just having that setup of like each day 31 days what what was behind that yeah that process was it was a felt like a mastermind like a crazy conspiracy theorist with a map <laughs> on the wall trying to put this thing together i had i had note cards everywhere um so i'd gone through and chosen some of the verses uh that i knew i wanted to use and then the theme of disconnection to connection, which I think is is so important in light of what anxiety is and does, but also in our story. So the arc of this book is not so much creation, fall, redemption, consummation, which would be the whole of the Christian story, but mm. it's creation, so made for deep connection, and then it's connection secured, so a little bit of that um, redemption that we're starting to find in Jesus and then identity secured more redemption in Jesus and then connection enjoyed, which would be what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to continually receive day by day, what we need, our daily bread, our manna, how are we actually following Jesus, enjoying the connection we're provided uh, in him uh, so that we've got the foundation building for kids, especially and for, for anyone who doesn't yet, or even just because we need to remember our story, right? connection piece and then connection enjoyed because I think a lot of anxiety is disconnection disconnection from our bodies mm. from the present moment where we actually might be safe but our anxiety tells us 
you're not safe. There's something that might happen. Um, disconnection from one another, from God. Uh, so the spirit is at work reconnecting us in so many different ways, including our actual bodies. And that's a big hope of the book to communicate. Yeah. And you have you have the, uh, how to become disconnected on day six and then day seven, you have God's desire for reconnection. So um, I love how you just have that order. And then for eight on day eight, you have it anchor anchored in God's promises. Why is being anchored in God's promises important? And for our listening audience, I'm, we're not going to be giving you all the all the all the devotional details here because we want you to go out and get the book. Mm-hmm. But uh, but uh, yes, can you just share a little bit about that? Yeah, thank you for that question. You know, we we live in a culture that you says you make yourself. You got to discover your meaning and you got to make your identity. Got to find it, make it, create it, and then sustain it. Whether that's with likes on social media or through your career. Um, through some how your family looks, whereas God's promises are outside of time. They are from the the God himself, the creator, sustainer of the world, the one with the power to change and to heal and to create, um, the one who is love. So even that being anchored in his promises and who he is, is it's so much bigger and better than what we can evoke from ourselves. Um, what I, I can't believe enough to make myself less anxious, but I can be anchored in this overarching story that's way bigger than my life and um, is rooted in a God who loves me, who is holding all things together, um, who also individually meets me where I am somehow, mm. miraculously through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, so I need to be anchored in that bigger truth. Yeah, so true. So true. And God has proven to be faithful. We have thousands of years in, in scripture that we see it, you know, and, and but just stubborn creatures, our circumstances, our emotions just get the best of us. But we obviously see God's track record of faithfulness, right? That's right. And it's such a daily, I think what I would want to add to for someone who's trained in counseling and has been in ministry teaching for years, but it's still something I personally need every single day. Mm-hmm. I need I need to hear the word of mm-hmm. God. I need that truth to reorient me to who he is and who I am every single day. I think we're meant to be hearers of the word mm-hmm. more and more, even what we know. We're meant to hear it and to tell it to one another. I find that very comforting as you, you say that you as a counselor, uh, as you counsel others, also need to be poured into mm-hmm. through God's word and the Holy Spirit and, and other means. Um, I, I'm I do want to address the subject of social media, as you just mentioned a little earlier. Uh, I, I, I grew up in a time that there was no social media. I'm 44 years old. I'll be 45. And, uh, and how has that played a part into teenagers, young adults when it comes to anxiety? It's, I think it's a very big contributor because our understanding of what relationship is has shifted in these last, especially 11 years since 2012, when everyone starts to get smartphones in their hands. Mm. I do think that even in the space where in, in the house, if you think about how you're relating to your, your, your kid, uh, that where they would walk in and you'd say hi, and there would be awkwardness maybe, and like, waiting for someone to say something kind of normal rhythms of social discomfort that actually are a regular part of life and relationship. They're now missing because you pull your phone up and I'm checking my social media or you're checking yours or you're checking an email. There's a way that the way we connect across the board, culturally adults and kids has been deeply impacted. I'd say by smartphones and not just social media. Mm. Um, 
but social media itself and the way it trains our brains to look for these dopamine hits, mm -hmm. these little bits of affirmation that we all long for. We're actually made to be seen and known, but they're getting this false, almost like fast food instead of a steak meal. They're getting these mm -hmm. false um, or maybe just lesser hits that don't actually nourish their souls and don't shape them relationally in the way that they're meant to be shaped to know. Yeah, when I sit with a friend across the table, sometimes there is silence. Well, that's okay. Am I like, that's not terrifying in a time I have to check my phone. That's a normal part of the rhythm of connection and relationship. And then sometimes that's the space for creativity and for um, the, the Holy Spirit to do something else there. But there's less practice for kids, I think, because of social media and smartphones. So less resilience. And um, for all of us, I think we've kind of fallen out of like habits of connecting and risking connecting with people and people we're not like. Uh, because we just have this think about how people wait in lines in restaurants or we just pull our phone up right airports even whereas yeah. we used to like sometimes chat with our neighbor or um just do this regular rhythm of connection that we're missing and so our kids are certainly missing they're not even seeing us model it anymore with people that you've talked to have you i'm assuming you've implemented that like spend less time on your phone less time on social media and you've seen these results where it's like their anxiety just kind of goes down um, that's a good question. Depending on the person or I'm thinking of clients I've worked with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes like a teenage client might decide that's it. Like I'm getting rid of Instagram, TikTok. Um, Facebook is definitely not something they're on. So <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah they're, I've, it's what's neat is that I, hearing them say like it's extremely hard in the beginning, mm -hmm. even just to take high schoolers on a retreat and say for these four days, you won't have your phone. I mean, they are like addicts who are going through withdrawal. They're just in all sorts of, uh, they're in a bad way. Um, and then it across the board is the thing that every kid at the end is like, that was the most helpful mm. life giving. I'm so glad I didn't have my phone. Like they're all glad they didn't have their phones. So yeah, even at the beginning, really hard, lots of pushback at the end. They're like, let's figure out how to do this in my family, you know? So what, what kind of anxiety, uh, um, behavior is happening when you when you've seen their phones taken away at a retreat for four days and it's Great like question. Oh. yeah they <laughs> like, have it. exactly it ramps up their anxiety it's really well put yeah you see snarky comments uh, mm. a lot of sarcasm a lot of maybe irritation they're irritable irritable um they might be mad um and at, at the beginning it's yeah i think of a lot of joking just like where this is going to be there's pushback, yeah. resistance, some rebellion, um, and then they get over it. <laughs> yeah. But they, and, and there's bargaining, right? Like I've got to have it in case my mom tries to get a hold of me. <laughs> and you're like, your mom knows you're here and trusts me. <laughs> <laughs> or, As parents, we do need to be, we need to then put some trust in the youth leaders so that they're not, the kids aren't enslaved to these devices as well. And that's a part of it. I, I like the emergency excuse. I mean, there are oh, yeah. emergency, but I mean, again, I was, I lived in a time where when I was a little kid, the, if there was an emergency, somebody will get a, get a hold of you. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you were at, you knew you were at school, you know, I mean, we had pay phones like, but that one always gets me and, and I'm not trying to diminish that they are emergency, but like, um, and I think this is where people I think would help out even more, you know, like if you got you know, stuck on the side of the road while you're traveling, like you would hope that somebody would pull over and, 
maybe yeah. like take you to a payphone or you're a group of people, but, or, you know, people had uh, CB radios, you know, in their, in, in their cars with a lot of travelers. I don't know. There was just different ways, but this whole thing, even with my staff, they, they drive me a little bonkers sometime with that. They, I just recently just told them that they can have an iWatch because they're like, well, and I, and here's the thing though, the schools won't call the work. They just want to text message the, the parents. And I was like, they don't, they don't want to call your work. They was like, no, they, they refuse to. So, um, I had to, I I had a, we, we caved in and, but yeah, like, I don't know. That's revealing, right? What our culture has become. Like there's systemic things that make parents on edge and think they've got to have contact with their kid all the time and be available all the time. Whereas like, this is not human. Like we, no one can live being available all the time in a healthy way that is causing us stress and anxiety. Got to have limits, but and then like the culture is no limits, you know, or if you don't respond to somebody's email or text message or in like, or answer their phone. Like, I mean, there, there have been times where family members are like, Hey, I text me. Why have you been text? It's like, uh, it's been half an hour. You'll be fine. I'm busy doing things. Like I've, I guess I never, I mean, I don't know how it is as a kid to grow up in, in this era where mm-hmm. I think it becomes normalized, right? Like mm-hmm. growing up that way. So they don't know the alternative. I don't even know how how that even works out. Yeah. Yep. It's a it's a, it can be a good conversation with parents and kids. What's it like for you? What do you see? What would you change? How might we change how we relate to these devices as a family? Like no phones during dinner time, or to know you should have six hours to respond to a text after some or twenty four hours, whatever you want to decide, just yeah. to put limits and expectations around them even that are maybe more humane, more humanizing, and less like you must be available to all people at all times. Yeah, that's absolutely yeah, crazy to me. Um, so now let's uh, move into um, for our teenagers, young adults, and parents that might be listening out there. What are some of the tools that we can use to you know, maybe battle some of our uh, anxiety? Yeah, it's a great question. Well, God, our the Christian God took on a body, right? He was an embodied being. He was perfectly man, um, 100% God and 100% man. So there's a way that the Christian faith honors and dignifies the human body in a way other philosophies and other religions don't. So I think one of the gifts we can look at is the way God has made us embodied souls. Um, he's given us bodies to help us regulate, to help us Um, change and live with an emotion and deal with emotion like anxiety. And our breath is kind of the first best thing that we can use to help um, regulate our anxiety. So even just to start the devotional with that, to breathe in, counting one, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000, four, 1,000, and out, one, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000, four, 1,000, and in. So to practice breathing and counting where you bring your attention to your breath, even as you notice your thoughts shift and um, you know you follow trails of thought, but you just bring that attention back to your breath and continue breathing, that can be extremely helpful for regulating. And then our senses, so our sight and sound, kind of to taste, touch, hear, um, feel, and see. Our senses are actually engaging our senses, embodied senses with the world. That's another way that God's given us to help regulate anxiety. So something you might do is just say, all right, I want to notice 
five things in my environment that I see. And then you pay attention to, I see this picture frame, I see this rug. And then you might go to five things that you hear. That might be too many. You might do three things you hear mm. and two things that you can smell and imagine one thing you can taste, but you can use your senses to come into the present moment. So anxiety takes us often to the future or the past where we in the future wonder, what if, what if this happens, right? Or it roots us in the past of, I should have done this. I should have done mm. something different. So what are the things God uses to bring us into the present moment through his spirit, our mm. senses, our breath, remembering where he's been faithful, um, connecting in the moment with somebody. So definitely senses. Wow. I like how you say, I like how you say here, I recommend that you set your timer to at least 60 seconds to practice breathing with these truth in mind as you finish your time with Jesus. That's very mm -hmm. powerful. I, I love how you put that. Um, can you maybe share just one more and uh, again, just so that, uh, uh, we can uh, just kind of hook everybody in so they get your book, you know, but can you just share us one more tool um, that m our listeners might, might benefit from? Yeah. And I would say gratitude. So mm. to practice gratitude seems really simple and kind of too easy. Right. But I was doing this last night before I went to bed, my mind was stuck on something really disappointing and hard that had happened that day. And I could not get over it. It was looping around in my mind, ramping me up, filling my body with energy. And I thought, you know, that's okay to be there, but I want to remember the beautiful things I saw God do today, um, even in the hard stuff. So I was remembering then a meeting with a, a student that had been really beautiful. And I remembered something someone had sent, said that encouraged me. And I remembered um, how God allowed this book to come into being. And so practicing remembering uh, how God has been faithful, how we've seen him work, and even how we've seen him work in other people's lives can be really powerful. It's like a redemptive mindset, you know, because we beat ourselves up, like you mentioned earlier, with the past or the future was hasn't even happened, especially my past, our past. You know, I could have done this. I should have done that. I would have done that. But instead, like something I, I shifted was like, okay, what has God done? What is God doing and what can God do? It's just a redemptive mindset, you know, and, and it ships you from so much that has happened or may or may not happen, you know? I love that. And I would say even in that, I used to try to do that to like beat my anxiety and mm -hmm. submission to like, you shouldn't be there. But if we can somehow know like it's okay for it to be there, we're going to bring our attention though to these beautiful mm -hmm. things God has done. He doesn't shame our anxiety. Yeah. He doesn't like, tell us you've got to make that go away mm -hmm. he says come to me yeah. um so bring it to him yeah. you know cast all your anxieties because he cares right that's right that's right yeah god's sovereignty and understanding god's sovereignty really helped me out with you know mm -hmm. thinking about the past or even thinking about the future that it's in his hand i mean i'm here to labor for him and and just focus on him um has really mm -hmm. helped me out with just like you know I don't do it perfectly, but man, I've come a long way for sure. Um, and, and I'm sure you too, TD, you know, like as you were saying, it just, it's, it's the past and we can't change it. It's where Colossians has come to mean more to me in my life. The older I get of in, mm. in him, all things hold together. Like he is actually holding the past and the future. And right now he's holding that. Like he doesn't just drop it. He sees it. He's at work and in through it, but in him, all things hold together means a whole lot to me. Wow. Amen. So I, true. I forgot who said it, but some theologians said God's sovereignty 
is the pillow upon which man can lay his head upon. Like knowing we can just rest in that and and he's going to help us get through it. And it's his truth, right? Like you mentioned more than once that we rest on. Yeah, we need to find out who said that, TD. Was it you? Was it you? Were you the theologian? I'm not smart enough to make that quote. (laughs) It was Steve probably. It's probably Steve. (laughs) No, Steve was quoting somebody else. It was Steve, so he loves quoting. Uh, But what would you like for people to get from your book? Again, we do have a worldwide audience and... And I, I just love the format of your book and, and how you have it structured. I mean, uh, you can just go day by day, right? And w- w- what can people get out of your book or hope you, they get out of your book? Yeah, thanks for asking me that. I would say um, that the book and really our Christian story is about the love of God coming for us and for all parts of us, even mm-hmm. for our really anxious parts, Um that God loves all of us and Jesus meets us at every step, both in the past and in the future. Um, And not only that, but the Christian story is one we don't have to create or invent or maintain or feel our way into. Mm -hmm. It gives us a beautiful, solid anchor to understand our anxiety and that we're made for connection and that Jesus comes for connection over and over again with us. uh, So that essentially the Christian story um, our anxiety finds a secure home in the story of God, finds meaning and comfort and hope in Christ. That's what I would say. If there's somebody out there, Liz, who is just struggling right now and is like, man, Liz, I just can't get over my anxiety. We got these tools, but what would you tell that person right now that might be listening? Mm, I would say that's exactly where you're loved. You know what? If you never get over it, that's the place Christ meets you actually is in that impossible place. You cannot fix or change or heal yourself. His love extends into every crevice of that place. And, and that's our hope getting to know him there. Um, he may choose to change or shift that, but we all know there are places of suffering and unfinished places of pain in our lives that he doesn't always choose to change, but he does show up and man, does he do beautiful things there? So that's where you're loved. And that actually is the place where God meets you with his hope that your anxiety isn't meaningless even, and that it finds a place in his story. It's not wasted either. It's not um, just this like useless piece of suffering he's given you, but uh, it is the place you are loved and it finds meaning in his story. Yeah. It's amazing that there's nothing purposeless mm. in, in our lives, you know, and, and, and that's very comforting as well. Cause uh, again, God knows us. He has He's He He has something for us here as His children. Nothing is wasted in God's economy, as the great Steve Den Hartog has said. Yeah, absolutely. And yes. I think he quoted somebody That's else. Right. Yeah, he might have quoted. Some, <laughs> he might have quoted somebody else. But either way, like you're saying, it's pursuing God. It's it's resting in God. And whether He gets you out of the situation, the anxiety, or He pulls you through the situation, the anxiety, like it's it's God. That's right. Wow, Liz, that that went by pretty quick. Like that, it did. I, I just looked at the time right now. Um, but before we land this plane, Liz, um, thank you again for coming on. But can you please share the good news, the gospel, to our worldwide audience today? Oh man, what a treat! <laughs> uh, man, the good news is that the God of this world, Jesus Christ, who came to enter into our world sees, knows, and loves you right where you are and offers you life in himself right now. 
that is not yours to have to create or maintain or sustain or even feel that he offers you. He says, I am the way, the truth, the life. He actually offers you those things right now in a way that's not dependent on you. Um, and that's so freeing to me to know it's not up to me to just believe hard enough or just like think perfectly enough or belong well enough. Jesus is enough and he gives us true life in himself. So my hope would be that that you would hear, hear again the word of the one who made you and who loves you calling your voice and saying, this is my beloved son or daughter. Come to me. Come to me for rest. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, please go get the book, Anxiety, Finding the Better Story uh, by PNR Publishing, 31-Day Devotional for Teenagers. Um, I always say this, Liz, where can people find you if you want to be found? Uh, if you're on social media, a website, uh, anything, where, where can people uh, find you if they have any further questions? Yeah, so I'm a part of a gospel-centered youth ministry called Rooted. So rootedministry.com is a great place to go to to gain resources to love your teenagers well, whether you're a parent or a youth pastor or a pastor or just a vault, anyone. Um, so I have written for Rooted for, an, I mean, 10 plus years. So if you really wanted to read something I'd written, you could go to rootedministry.com and put my name in. Um, and then there's a book called The Jesus I Wish I Knew in High School that I wrote a chapter in also. And I'm not big, big on social media, so you're not going to see me splashing stuff out there, but um <laughs> Yeah, Rooted is a great place to go. Well, Liz, thank you very much for coming on uh, on Bridge Radio. We, I really enjoyed this podcast. Not that I don't enjoy all the other podcasts, mm -hmm. but some po <laughs> some po some podcasts we get to enjoy a lot better than others. But uh, again, anxiety finding uh, finding the better story by PNR Publishing, thirty one days devotional for teenagers. Liz, thank you very much for coming on Bridge Radio today. And uh, I hope we can have you back on anything else that you might write or any of your other books uh, that we can talk about. It's been an absolute privilege to have you on, on Bridge Radio. And it was very, very much uh, encouraging for me. It's very mutual. Thank you so much, brother. I'm grateful for your work and so, so glad to have had the chance to meet you and chat with you guys. Oh, yeah, me too. Thank you, Liz. Thanks. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this week's episode with Liz Edrington on her new book, Anxiety, Finding the Better Story, 31-day devotional for teenagers, young adults, I'm sure adults, uh, but TD, that was, a, that was a great podcast. Yeah, I know it says teenagers, but I, I know I would benefit from it. I'm certainly going to push it out to the young adults in our community because it's it's something that will happen. It's a human reality going through anxiety and it's we're not wrong or, or super sinful for having it. And man, just, just hearing the tools and, and how we should respond and trust in God no matter what, like it, it's a good reminder that I think we often forget and um, we're going to go through it. So how do we respond? That's the question. Yeah, I mean, there was just a there's a lot more in that devotional, but it's 31 days. It's very easy. So, for a listener out, out there and might be just struggling with this, just uh, remember some of the truth that you know Liz just spoke about today. But go get her book and go through the day, go through it each day and see and see what that does. And uh, we love that just God has given a gift to. Um, uh, certain gifts to people in the kingdom to be able to mm -hmm. 
to write books and to be counselors and teachers, right? Uh, we're not all the same in the body. So, um, you know, I, I, I love that uh, just Liz was just able to to just talk about the truth about anxiety and and that the, that the Lord does not shame us for those things as we're human and he understands. And, and he was the God man who experienced emotion in the human flesh. So we have know, a high priest who relates to us. We got a high priest that relates to us and he intercedes uh, between uh, the God, the father and himself for us on our behalf, uh, because this, that's the only way that we can, uh, you know, stand um, righteous mm-hmm. is through Jesus. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, uh, please don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube. And like we always like to end the show, what is your only comfort in life and in death that I am not my own, but along body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Till next week, guys. See you.